Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. I'm James McSorley and I'm back a lot quicker than I was when we had to talk about games that I lost. Um, <laughs> yeah, funny enough, this one came around a little quicker because I'm more excited to talk about it. Who'd have known? Mark, you're with me as always. How are you? I am. I'm the diehard. You're the fair weather podcaster, it would seem. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm the emotional one. <laughs> to be fair, that is actually true in this dynamic. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm good, man. Uh, I'll be not that I haven't said congratulations to you already, but I last made fun of you for being um, no longer a reigning gold medalist of anything, but you are now reigning gold, silver, and bronze medalist at varying levels, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's fun, man. It's I was actually thinking about this on the way in here, like that's quite cool that I've just been along for the ride in some of the <laughs> successful teams and that's it's been very cool to be a part of and we'll talk about specifically being part of the gb men's as we get to the sort of the metal games of the men's tournament but yeah really cool to be a part of and cool to sort of add another one to the tally without doing a whole lot <laughs> do, you, do you have like a little podium that you um hang your medals from you know how like the third place one is slightly below the second place uh, one slightly below the, the first place one no, they're all sitting in the apartment because uh, until a week ago, they were actually like, some of them were here, some of them were in my dad's house. There was a point where I didn't know where my world's gold medal was. Um, <laughs> and I, just from moving around a lot and from the Hamburg world's gold medal being absolutely diabolically bad. But um, no, they're all now together in the one spot, which is kind of cool to see. Just a, it's just a, I don't know, instead of a red carpet, it's just someone's coattails. <laughs> I was going to, um, I was going to message you after, I didn't want to crack the joke after, um, I was really hoping you'd win the world because I I assume this is general knowledge because you guys have your wedding photos up and about, but you had the whole thing where on your wedding day, you and Anna had the photo with your um like bronze medal in the picture as well because you just even though I tried so hard to get the photographer the story behind that is the photographer caught wind of it and was like can you bring this and I went no I don't want anything said about this all that that's not what today's about and then he was like please 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 and I know how much it killed you so I was going to I was hoping you'd win goal at the world when you got selected I was going to print you like a little joke invite to your vow vow renewal so you could like just so you could get the one photo again with the gold instead of the bronze but we could do it with the European medal now god yeah um I literally remember like beforehand thinking I was like oh, it's so cringe that people do this and then I was like imagine making that day about the fact that you played a sport like, like just like this is terrible and then the guy caught wind of it and he was like this is great and I was like yeah for you probably yeah. like uh, it will never never not amuse me that your people pleasing side was able to um be thoroughly coerced even on your actual wedding day <laughs> it's like it's just so so perfect. I think they pushed too. They pushed so hard that like Anna was like, "Oh, for God's sake, would you just do it? He'll shut up." Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's buried. Um, but anyway, should we talk about some basketball? Let's do it. Um, yeah. Okay. So picking up from post worlds, uh, not a lot went on for a while, and then yeah, glad to have some basketball to talk about. So on the we'll do the women's side first, will we? We will. As is tradition based off 
what we did one month ago once. Uh, so almost how we called it to shake out, except third, fourth. Like I think we called, I mean, second, third. Yeah, I actually called VB to finish fourth, so I was I was more wrong than you. Oh boy, um, what did I'm 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 actually tripping over myself at this point. Did any of us like? Did either of us call that? So we everyone called Netherlands first, which like yeah, sure. Um, that's how that worked. Yeah, that would have been a, a controversial call to make. Otherwise, um, yeah, um, it, it panned did we go out. Germany two GB three was that the call? I don't think. You, you Did went you, Germ- yeah, you yeah. went Germany two GB three Spain four. I went Germany two Spain three GB four. Um, yeah, and the pool reflected at least your take because Germany beat GB by I think like five points on day two. Um, and yeah, that looked like kind of similar to what we'd seen or maybe GB creeping a little bit closer with a stronger team as compared to when they play the world. But um, yeah, man, it got Germany are obviously without Katrina Lang now and it looked like they were able to pick up the pieces and it turned out that, you know, maybe they got the, the cushion of one game, nobody having quite figured them out yet and secured that win over GB. But the kind of story of that onwards was Germany lollop throughout the rest of the tournament and really struggled to get anything going and we'll get to the um get to the later rounds of the tournament fairly soon but gb having taken a five-point loss at germany's hands in the pool stage absolutely waxed them in the um the semi-final yeah so strangely watching that first game i actually didn't feel great about my predictions like i obviously i'd called germany above gb but i even germany beating them i didn't feel that that sort of I didn't feel very vindicated mostly because they lost by five with Robin going eight from 25 Helen five from 13 and they must have smoked 15 layups yeah yeah Um, it was very like first day sort of ropey a little nervous and they didn't even have to be unbelievable I just thought right if this kind of normalizes slightly um, like obviously Robin um, getting back into the swing of things a bit and stuff. I was like, if this normalizes, I can see GB swinging this game the other way. I didn't think they'd then swing it like 25 or whatever it was. But <laughs> I, I actually, I spoke to some of them afterwards and I was talking to people about the game at the tournament. And I was like, eh, you lose by five and you miss layups and you're, sort of higher volume scorers shoot 30%, you probably feel pretty good about Like, if you shoot 30% because you're chucking up nonsense with people on your footplate for 40 minutes, that's one thing. But, like, if it was a lot of, like, pick and roll right side, two passes, Robin open on the weak side, and it just wasn't dropping. And I was like, even if she's not unbelievable again, it's not going to be eight from 25 yeah. You're, so, not look, you're not looking at it and being like, if she can just turn eight from 25 into 22 from 25, it's like if she can turn eight from 25 into 11 from 25, you're probably in business. Yeah, and also just like, you're not, I don't know, you should probably go eight from 25 from 30 feet with someone on your footplate. You probably shouldn't be, like you, you're not going to do that twice from um, open 12 footers. Um, I'll probably go eight from 25 from open 12 footers, but that's why I haven't taken 25 um mid-range shots this summer 
we're, <laughs> we're burying the lead here. Robin coming out of retirement to take 25 shots in her first game back. Yeah, like, we love that. We love I'm to see it. About it. Um, I, yeah, I love that so much. We, we both love a gunner here. Um, <laughs> also, like, you're coming into a lineup that went a point and a half or two points under for a full tournament a month ago, and you're plugging in to bring that lineup up points and you yeah. like you kind of that's that's what you have to do um obviously robin coming back from retirement and laurie coming back four months after having a baby and contributing how she did to a tournament is completely nuts yeah, as right. we will get to um, laurie was it, laurie was in the closing lineup of that first game <laughs> i was like my god what is going on 18 minutes a game yeah. like I don't uh, have a tournament plus minus or anything here, but like, oh my God. Um, because I wonder how much they tried to start, like they tried to not start her. And I know she didn't, I know there weren't like minute limits or anything apparently, but like she just. Yeah. I think, I think and, there is such a thing as a common sense minute limit, even if it's not being um, like strictly enforced by anything, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, your 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 body kind of has a point where you're like, ah, can can I come out for a bit here, or I can run in five minutes stints, or this, that, and the other. But um, just having another, like one playing to points, and two having another good international standard midpointer on the floor, who kind of knows what to do and where to be and how to affect games, and has been in big games before, was yeah. massive for them. It kind of has a knock on effect throughout the squad that they have changes in pace like you can go from the mids lineup to the ones and bigs lineup rather than oh something's going wrong we either need to adjust on court or we sub a four for a four yeah yeah absolutely um i think we've obviously started with gb because they people listening to this will know that were although not the winners really the story of the tournament because them finishing second has guaranteed their their place in Paris. Um, top two teams were guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the other one of those top two teams who we've literally not even mentioned because it is so par for the course at this point is the Netherlands winning the whole thing, um, going undefeated through the group stage and the pool stage. So the group stage and the elimination phase. Um, the Netherlands, five games in the pool, Plus two hundred and eleven, <laughs> which is over forty points difference again. Um, some of those numbers padded out by the fact that um, France and Turkey took a, a good wallop in at the hands of the the Netherlands in a couple of those games there. But um, yeah, I thought the Netherlands. Someone posted it on their Instagram account, or one of the Dutch players shared it. it had been posted by somebody else. Um, They've won gold at something like eight straight internationals now between Paralympics, um, Paralympics Worlds and Europeans in the in-between years of those. I think this was their seventh or eighth one in a row. And that realistically... They lost a tournament. So, well, they won in Rio, right? And then... No, no, USA no they won. didn't win in Rio. They've won everything since, right? It's Rio, yeah. 2017 to now. Um I apologize for, for I apologize to who I took the medal off there and, um, <laughs> and, and instantly gifted back. Um sorry, USA, right? <laughs> yeah, I think um 
yeah, the Netherlands are really closing in on. I mean, neither of their players are, neither of their core players in Mariska or Bo are going anywhere anytime soon. I think Mariska's around 30 and Bo's like 25. Um, so they've got that in place for a long time. And yeah, the if you're the rest of Europe, the only, I think the only thing you can look at to comfort yourself is this under 25s women's tournament that's kicking off in relatively short order. The Dutch haven't even entered an under twenty fives team, I don't think. So, Ooh, okay, there is there is, <laughs> there is at least some light at the end of the tunnel, but maybe about fifteen years down the tunnel <laughs> at this rate. Yeah, um, I wonder. It'd be interesting to see, like, obviously, if those two stick about uh, for however long, but each of them have another ten years if they feel like it, maybe fifteen. Um, this is without knowing, like, without really knowing either of them or how old they are or how much they want to do but interesting to see if any of their sort of older role players drop out how much they're sort of equipped to replace them because like I don't know their five kind of falls apart maybe without a Yitzka or um Cherkover or yeah Yitzka's the big one but um they've their five for ages has been Mariska, Bo, Yitzka, Ilsa Arts and Karina de Roy. Um, but they've been experimenting more and more with the the three big lineup, which I think I said it after Worlds, but it feels like there should be like a little caveat somewhere in the rules of wheelchair basketball that if you've got a dominant four and four or five to that extent, you're just not allowed a third big for some completely arbitrary reason because it makes things ridiculous. Um yeah, Vermenhover is her name, I think, and they can roll those three bigs out with two ones. So yeah, I think Yitzka is like the main piece. If Yitzka was to call it a day, that has some real impact. I think they're already pretty prepped for the idea that um, Ilsa and Karina might be calling it a day at some point in the relatively near future. Um, yeah, it's... It'd be interesting to see, like... I don't know. Um, you see people step away from the game when they've kind of won it all, but what if you've just won it all three times? <laughs> just... what, yeah, what what if why would any of them get off the train if they're on the um on track to win at least they could realistically win like three complete cycles and Yeah, a... imagine being like people talk about like people talk about like the three in a row or the treble or whatever. If you go like three worlds, three powers and six euros like, <laughs> in a run, like that is completely absurd. But um it, it's, it could it's be really weird because it's not good. It's not conducive to us having much of a chat about it, but like hats off to the absolute dominance of the Dutch women's team. Um, it's I look forward to a year's time to see more international teams have a crack at them and maybe try and do something about it. But yeah, I think my one takeaway watching the Netherlands from this competition was you watch the other European teams go up against them, and let me find these stats. GB gave them a relatively competitive game in the group stage. Uh, they were both rotating at one point fairly early on, weren't they? Yeah. Um it was 64-50 in that one. So do with that what you will. But you watch the European teams take the Netherlands on and 
it actually becomes apparent why China have been the only team that have been able to stick with them for any stretch in the last couple of years. And it's because China are about the only team who can ro- roll out a one-pointer who's sturdy enough to consistently switch defensively yeah. and allow China to play that high line for basically 40 minutes. Um, the ones who these countries are rolling out just... I mean, it's not. It sounds critical of those players, but it isn't. It's like you're rolling out ones who don't have a chance of isolating, of playing isolation defense against either of the Netherlands bigs, and the mismatches are just beyond lethal. Unless you can defend them, you know, you have to be able to defend them like almost five for five, and hope that any one-on-one matchup is enough to at least make them waste, you know, the shot clock and put that pressure on which. None of these teams were able to do. Like, as soon as you got one weak link in the defense, they exploit it in what seems like it should be preventable fashion. But I think there's a body of evidence to suggest that it's not preventable at this point. Yeah, we've spoken about this thing. We spoke about it at German Worlds at one point. And we were like, I don't really get why no one can stop them. But like, if no one has stopped them for like two full cycles in a bit at this point, maybe like there's nothing to get. Um, it is just. Because at one point we were like, is it like a massive speed mismatch? Is it this, that, and the other? It's No, it's just always, okay, the second there is a cut, okay, lay up. Or the second I can just spin on someone and beat them one-on-one. And then like worst case scenario or best case scenario for the defense is like, all right, cool. This little 10-foot baseline shot. But if that's either Bo or especially Merce Kids, like, hey, is this 65%? Is it 70 <laughs> Like. Um, I don't, and their their ones finish off so well as well. Like every, yeah, I know every every team's tried everything at this point. Uh, there was yeah. a world in which you could still, like back in the day, people were able to stop them. But it's like, yeah, but Bo and Mariska weren't as amazing as they are. Yeah, I I so, actually think if you go back and watch them from a few years ago, their guards aren't nearly as consistent finishing wise. And I think the school of thought at that point probably was being like, hey, let's see if we can force their three guards into taking 60 combined dump-down layups a game. And then it would appear that all their guards have been to, like, the Ishmael R dump-down layup school in the meantime. And <laughs> be like, don't worry, we got this covered as well. Yeah, finishing school, but not in the, like, learning how to be posh way. Finishing <laughs> school, just learning how to... But it's like their positioning's always great. It always seems like... I don't know, their ones never have to shoot weird, mad, off-balance finger rolls. It's always just like, okay, you've doubled me on the elbow and my spacing's perfect and the and like Ilsa's timed her cut perfectly from the baseline or Yitzka's timed her cut perfectly. And then also, like, sometimes you'll kick it to Yitzka and she hasn't even cut. And it's like, oh, cool, this is absolutely also going in. <laughs> what do we do? Um, my, my only question with the Netherlands at this point, and this is going to be overly reductive and sound like I'm trying to be smart for the sake of it, but what do you reckon there's left for them to do in training? <laughs> um, I don't know. They are, they're very polished, like, in a way that makes me think that they absolutely just still do run the same stuff. Like, there's no hint of them having gotten bored of beating everyone. <laughs> well, yeah. like, they, dropped, they dropped a game at Worlds. Like, they're not... Um, 
It's, it's so funny they've dropped one game in that many years and instantly everybody's forgotten about it as if it was like a collective fever dream of the wheelchair basketball community. Yeah, we forgot about it in the podcast. I think it was Rose messaged us and was like, they, or someone was like, hey, they dropped a game, by the way. And we're like, nah, that couldn't have happened. <laughs> be ridiculous. Yeah, so like, well, everyone's beatable, but... Um, no, I, just, I just imagine they're, they're, very long imagine they're in a state now where like, do you ever be like, this is what's on my mind currently because we're getting the house ready to like have people to look at buying it and it's like the constant right we need to shake this up we need to shake this up this needs to look good and then you realize you've actually done everything but you're still like twitchy and weird about it because you feel like there's still something to be done even though there really isn't and i imagine they're like hey we need to work on eh, actually no we've we've cut <laughs> we've worked on everything at this point yeah the, the mental aspect of just them being at the top for so long is really impressive because, like, I don't know, anytime you see people who've done it all once and then they retire and just ride off into the sunset, I, I, I'm I like, yeah, I completely understand that. Like, why would you, what, like, how could you win everything and then, like, 5th of September, the next season rolls around and someone's blowing a whistle and telling you to get to the baseline like how could you be bothered <laughs> like something that i completely understand I like they must all just love it and still want it and yeah whatever and we've ended up talking about them enough when i was just worried that we weren't going to i'm worried yeah. that it was so good that we were going to just brush past the fact that they walked to euros like yeah. um, um right should we hit the germany and spain tier then because we touched on germany very briefly but maybe an underrated story coming out of the women's side of the Europeans is that Spain bagged the bronze medal, which yeah, I think is their first time for, I think like 2015 was what I heard from somebody. No, uh, they, won, they won the, they won the bronze in the last years as well. Oh, did they GB were, um, oh yeah. yeah. Were Germany out? Then? I can't remember what happened. I now. don't remember. I just, I only know this because my club coach coached them. So I, <laughs> yeah, he's not like not letting you get that one. Uh, no, I, just, I just know it happened because he's told us. Yeah. Um, no, I thought Spain did pretty well considering Germany were like an unknown quantity, but given the benefit of the doubt, because they've traditionally, even losing a very important 4-5, they've always had good bigs. And I think there was kind of an assumption that Germany would just roll somebody new out of the factory, similar to like what the Turkish do with their 4.5 juniors. We thought they were going to, and then there was another classification issue. Isn't that, 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 that gets us off the hook in our Germany prediction a little bit as well. Like, <laughs> which is really what matters. All we want is to be let off the hook. Yeah. We spent the whole time being like, no, but it's fine because like, um, yeah. yeah, it's all right. She's going to be, and then she's like, no, <laughs> we were wrong. They need to um, come up with some more convincing injuries over in Germany. Um, but yeah, I think Germany beat Spain in the pool stage by 12, and that was probably Germany's best performance That between that and the um, win over GB. But I think, like you say, you can write some of that off to like the day one over over adrenalized um, performance on both sides. Um and yeah, Spain came out, they won the bronze medal game 49-48 and it was absolute scenes. And way to go to the Spanish women who I think have kind of quietly, because the Netherlands dominate the gold so much, I think Spain have kind of quietly built themselves into something 
not ready to challenge the Netherlands, but certainly ready to tangle with everybody else in Europe and potentially beyond. Oh, 100%. Um, I think the, and I, I didn't, I don't remember the, the German stats from the GB um, semi-final, but the sort of thorough line, like you look at, um, like Marika Miller had 26, but it was on 26 shots. That was I it. looked at that and I was like, how did they, they didn't even stop it. But like, there you go. Like, I think GB gave her a real tough time as well. I just, well, in the semifinal, there was a point where Germany scored 12 points in like nearly three quarters. So I think they gave everyone a tough time, but the, it's just the kind of the cutting off the head of the snake thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, which is like, that, that makes such a big difference, especially when you go from playing two dominant bigs down to kind of, one and trying to replace it by committee if you cut off um cut off Marika Miller's stats although once again 26 points but that makes such a difference um I thought Beatrice Sudaire was great for pretty much the whole tournament um uh obviously big we're we're big fans here from even three years ago Mercia at this point we were like who is this? And has she ever missed a shot from the breather? <laughs> um, but it's kind of cool. Oh, we speak about this all the time, but I like watching stuff translate from like mixed gender club stuff to the international game and how roles change and adapt. And she's asked to do a little bit more here than she is in Mercia, obviously, but it's cool to see that she's getting it done and was an all-star in this tournament. And I think it was deserved. But do you think the fact that half of them play in Mercia is beneficial or does it not matter? Um, I don't know. I always assumed it would be. And that I think it's it's actually potentially more beneficial to the women's game um, than it is in the men. Because I, I always remember like being in Italy and you'd see this Santa Lucia team that was like essentially the Italian men um, give or take like a couple of bench guys and you'd be like this team is unreal man how come like Italy is routinely somewhere fifth to seventh in Europe at that point in time and it's like oh because this team looked awesome when you rolled out their four highest pointers with a female one and you can't do that in the international game Exactly. Um, and then club basketball female ones get misused if one of them is in a certain spot or yeah exactly um which speaking of which we've not mentioned the turkish women at all but i'm pretty sure like almost none of their players who play like heavy minutes for galatasaray bizik tas fenerbahce all their lows who just kind of occupy space on the court <laughs> like it looks like barely any of them play for the national team and the national team is just a selection of different players. I thought that was super weird. But um, back to your original question, I think you at least see the um, the Mercia connections with this group of the Spanish women, I think. And it, I think maybe it's the fact having the coach there. I think if you were to transfer a wholesale group of players to another coach, it gets a little bit ropey. Um, yeah, that, that makes a difference, obviously, and the fact that I don't think their roles differ massively. Yeah. Well, well, you say, say the roles dif- differ massively. Lourdes Ortega with 14 points on 7 of 10 shooting in the bronze medal yeah. game. Like, that's a, that's and they stick her on the free throw line in their four big lineup a good bit, and they kind of end yeah. up doing the same here. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I was impressed by Spain overall. Um, 
that one point win for them to win bronze uh that went to overtime if you've not checked that game out you probably should do and yeah i think germany on the flip side of that man they're just gonna have to find another solution in their their other big spot because they tried to fill it by committee like say none of it really stuck um the girl whose name i always have to triple check how to pronounce amanda fanariotis that sounds more greek than german um maybe who knows um yeah, may well be. Um, yeah, where's the Greek women's national team? Um, relatively impressed by her. I thought she looked a little bit raw. And I think you can never call Germany short-sighted for trying to do their best in the World Championships. But I think it really was obvious that some of their now primary options, previously secondary options had sat on the bench behind Katrina Lang a hell of a lot. And then it's kind of like into the fire at this point. Um, but obviously you're not going to sabotage your world championships chances to get yourself ready for Europeans, right? So maybe this is just kind of the start of the adjustment period and and that's what it has to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'd be interesting yeah. to see. Uh, well, we'll talk about the, we'll talk about the next step for qualification anyway but that's going to be interesting to see that's going to be a bloodbath <laughs> yeah i i will say this i think a lot of the teams and players are kind of like i can't believe there's this now additional step to qualification because they've shrunk the numbers down but i the more i've thought about it the more i think it's for the best and will result in the best the better teams being there rather than the kind of very um arbitrary lines of this many teams from this many places i think there's at least now some justice for everyone to earn it for themselves yeah um i don't know if i'd be agreeing if i had to go to a tournament at easter week but um, <laughs> well you yeah. always have the belgium tournament easter week anyway so it may as well be worth something oh i'm glad i'm glad that this might sort of mean the end of the belgium tournament <laughs> that would be lovely but yeah okay yeah. Um, should we shift over to the men's side of things? All right, cool. Uh, where do you want to start? Um, we- do we start with a formal apology um, to the thinkers behind the Netherlands group selection? Uh, we kind of I don't believe in apologizing. Uh, all right. Um, oh, might we just point out the fact that we thought it was weird to go into the group with Germany and Spain and Poland in it and maybe give yourself a tougher chance to get out of the group and all of that just for the sake of an easier crossover because the Netherlands just went and won that group anyway um yeah if we'd if we'd have known that was their plan all along we'd have been like yeah I'm, I'm fully on board with that if you if your game plan is to go undefeated in the group then do as you like as far as yeah, I'm concerned just, yeah you should have just told us that you thought you were going to beat everyone <laughs> then uh yeah no um so Sorry for not believing in you there. However, yeah, we'll... Yeah, yeah we'll talk about this Group A for, for now, because I think there was... Uh, group B, just for a little bit of foreshadowing, was the like classic arrangement of Team 1 has five wins, Team 2 has four wins, Team 3 has three wins, all the way down to Team 6 having zero wins. Yeah. Um, 
the kind of the way that Group A shook out was much more interesting. Um, you end up Netherlands undefeated five and zero, and the two, three, four teams all tied at three wins and two losses. It's also funny that considering like the other group goes down in descending order one number at a time, it always messes with me to see that averaging out like four wins, three wins and two wins shakes out to three wins apiece. I'm like, how the hell does that work? That that can't add up to the same numbers, but it turns out it does. Yeah, um, it's funny. It, it, we always talk about that when we do like the weekly roundups. Like, oh yeah, the numbers do add up. because they- <laughs> um, um, Yeah. But yeah, I think the kind of relatively early in the tournament, Poland had their classic Poland game where they shot eighty percent for a half shooting. <laughs> they not only do they burn themselves out, they singe the nets to the point where they have to be replaced at halftime. Um, that was ridiculous. Can I just say Poland doing that and taking a game off Germany, and then the rest of the group not kind of falling the way it's meant to to burn them and still put them in fourth is yeah. absolutely heartbreaking. And I'd be fuming. I think they were. Yeah. <laughs> Just to find pretty hard done by. And yeah, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, but yeah, man, Poland beat Germany. The Netherlands beat Spain in one of the um, early games. And I think when we did the Euros preview pod, we got a question about, did we think the... Um, did we think that the teams that had played the Worlds and were coming off a tournament or the teams that had been doing a whole summer's worth of prep had the competitive advantage? Um, Spain opened the tournament by smacking Poland around and winning by 24, and it was kind of like, oh, okay. Like, they look in shape, and then they played the Netherlands, who were a bit more staunch, and it ends up as a six-point difference, but you watch that game, I watched that game, and we know that that was... Uh, as big of a fool's gold end scoreline as you'll ever see because Spain quite honestly looked like they'd never met each other or held a basketball before (laughs) for like 33 minutes of that game. Um, It was super interesting to watch like we spoke about I think in the last podcast I mentioned and the preview for the Euros I mentioned that it'd be interesting to see if the Netherlands had something interesting for Spain and it just happened that they were just like, yeah, two on the weak side. All right, no worries. It was interesting to see what Netherlands were very happy to give up and what Spain were surprised that the Netherlands were happy to give up. You know what I mean? It's always that moment where you see, like someone catches the ball behind a screen in a two, on a two-on-one and they're almost like, oh, what, you're just going to let me shoot this? And the defense is like, well, yeah, sure. Like, what, whatever <laughs> you want. Um, so they were kind of just able to tip the scales in that direction for a while. There was a lot of like, midpoint three behind a screen on a weak side and the Netherlands were like, all right, cool. Mendel's over here. He might get around the screen or Belgium's over here and he could probably swat it from behind the screen. Don't worry. Do whatever you want. Which was Yeah. Uh, I, thought, to see. I thought the crux of the um the crux of the Spain Netherlands matchup at this point and uh they obviously faced off again in the semifinal where Spain got revenge and and what they actually did look like they'd you know gone into the swinger tournament by that point and weren't quite as rabbit in the headlights but um i thought matthias bell has kind of exposed that spain have got a good spread of size 
Um, and Alejandro is obviously as big as anybody, but they were pretty vulnerable to having a real, real giant out there. Um, which obviously then showed itself again when they had to play Lee when you guys played them. I was just going to say, yeah, never mind. It it showed in the finals. Yeah. But... Um, but no, I thought it was it was interesting that like Matthias' best game in the tournament by a long way was this one where the Netherlands beat Spain. And yeah, he kind yeah. of slowed down by the end of the tournament, didn't he? Yeah. Um, although I think all bad ones statistically, which was tough. Yeah, the Netherlands with that too big lineup is able to paper over a fair amount of cracks get just enough offense off like transition early post-ups and rebound offensive rebounds and stuff um and yeah super low scoring game but i thought they defended spain extremely well and spain looked shaky like coming out of that game i was like oh spain might finish fourth in this group and be knocked out in the quarterfinals but they obviously righted the ship as we got deeper into the tournament yeah they figured it out man they kind of considering they're a team that likes to play in transition so much and they like the rhythm and this, that, and the other. I wasn't sure whether a full summer of training would be any good for them. Maybe they were just like sick to death of training. And, you know, when they got to the tournament, they were like, oh, great, cool. We actually get to play someone who isn't us because I think that's the thing everyone feels in the middle of a summer, like a summer of training where you're like, oh, get me again. Get me, get me playing someone I don't know, please. But that took them all. Real quick before we move on from like this very early stage of the tournament, something I'd forgotten about. But um, in Group A, Latvia ended up drawing the Netherlands in like the showcase game, which was late on the opening night, and they lost that one 37 to 70. And that was, that was at 8 p.m. And they then had the 9 a.m. game the next morning, which that they lost to, lost to Germany 102 to 18. So they. I mean, come on, man. Nobody was under any illusions that Latvia, well-rested, were going to give either of these teams any trouble. You don't have to throw them on in it like a 13-hour turnaround to get beaten by, you know, 90-odd combined points or whatever that adds up to. Um, I'm sure it's kind of hard to schedule, but being like, hey, we can make this work for 11 out of the 12 teams, ah, someone has to be thrown under the bus here is kind of grim. Like, there has to be a better way to do that. I think it happens. Like it's top tournament basketball, isn't it? But um, yeah, yeah. Well, I I we never had any dodgy ones, but yeah, I don't know. I do, I do wonder, and I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I do wonder if they that was like flagged as a conflict or like a suboptimal um bit of scheduling, and they were like, look, like it's one of the lower teams that's like gonna lose both these games anyway let's get them over with we're not thinking that giving latvia a good 24 hours rest is gonna mean they suddenly get germany's backup yeah but I, I, I doubt far, it. far be it from me i'm not involved in the scheduling of these things and i would not wish to be no it is one of those things we talk about it all the time I'm critical of it and then i'm also like but also i don't think you could give me 200 grand a year to do this for my job like i i wouldn't want yeah absolutely could i'm joking but like I would not want to do this. I wouldn't volunteer to organize a tournament anytime soon. So, no, Thanks, I'm with guys. You. I'm with you. Um, yeah. So that was group A, group A, and kind of that was the state of things generally. I think we obviously got to this point where these teams were tied. Um, in the standings, it came down to points difference, which. Let me just grab the um, group some of the games list. 
but yeah, it came down to points difference as to who ended up um like winning the the three team tie by the most points, and Germany came out on top because Poland, man, for God's sake. Well, Poland only beat Germany by two. That was the thing, and it's a good thing because Poland were on pace in the second half to get ahead of Germany by like fifteen to twenty points, which obviously counts double, right? Because it get if you win that game by fifteen, it puts you at plus fifteen and puts Germany by uh, at like minus fifteen essentially. Yeah. So Germany were able to hold on and then to beat Spain by a respectable amount. And yeah, they um they came through and finished second. And over in Group B, we got the standings of GB, Turkey, Italy, France in that order. Yeah. And which, yeah was, uh, which was a bit weird. Um well, Turkey beat Italy on day one by four points, right? Which I think was unexpected. Yeah, I I don't know. Like before the before the tournament started, I think I was actually asking some of my teammates and stuff. I was like, "Who's the second?" But like, assuming we win the group, I'm thinking that we would like who's second best team in our group. Like, I have no idea because um, I think Turkey, France, and Italy are all good quality European international teams, but. I don't know if I would have been able to set one of them above the other two. Um, also, just very briefly on the um, on the group A, the, there was a very annoying thing about watching this being like, we've taken care of business and we still have no idea. Like, we could get Germany in a quarterfinal for no reason. Like, what? Um, there was a point where I think if Spain beat Germany, um, Poland could have come second. Yeah. If you nick a game off one of the two teams that ends up above you, you should be it should be possible that you come second. It's just very annoying. I think they were they were like, for God's sake, Spain, would you take care of business, please? Um because they ended up getting us in a crossover, which was not but, bad for them. But um yeah, sorry. Um I don't know if I would have called Turkey to be second in our group, but also you could have talked me into any of them. <laughs> I, I think Italy were my pick to come second I think they've over the last couple of years I think they've proved themselves to be right there on the cusp of being about ready to challenge for a medal in Europe um Turkey have obviously taken a step back in recent years but I think Turkey have also proved in this tournament that they are very capable of a fiery performance um and even though it's almost a complete changing of the guard there's still the extremely Turkish mentality where like a couple of shots drop and they're like, oh, right, we've just summoned our Osgur Gerblak spirit animal for five minutes here and we're going to go like yeah. en fuego for as long as we can hold on. Um, it was cool to see the young guys get it done because there has been, over the last couple of years, there's been a bit of a shadow of the last cycle or two that they've had the same guys and even, you know, there were times where a couple of the guys would disappear and then they'd come back and obviously Ismail R is still there and Ferret Gumush is still there and there's a couple of guys kicking about. But I think for the last couple of years, there was still just a like, I don't know, is Gerbalak just going to show up again and yeah. try and things? And it's cool to see just like it is Bullet and Ahmed Efeturk getting it done, like Bullet with 17 points a game, Efeturk with 14. Like it was cool to see. Cool to see the young guys actually be given the reins, even with Sidat coaching. Like, it's cool to see. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's not. I don't know. It's it's nice to. I think they've actually stepped into like next their next like crop of 
players for the next 10 years. And it's cool to see them getting it done um, to a certain extent. Um, they had a tough crossover, which was the negative side of being in our group, obviously. But um, yeah, oh, cool to see Bullet was pretty great for the whole tournament. I thought as was Everturk. And you've got to think they were doing all this without um, Toprak as well, who is presumably going to be back once his um, once his injury um, is all sorted. And yeah. both him and Efetok are headed to Fenerbahce next year. I don't know if people have spotted that. So as if that team needed more shooting and um, general size across the board. But um, I hope they're going to be in like a year early one and play some good teams this year. That'll be great. They will. Uh, but yeah, I think we're. We noted the standings just there. I think the the quarterfinals as a round were really, really good watching. Um, oh, Germany, yeah. Yeah. Germany got their revenge on Italy for um, putting them out of the kind of quarterfinal stage of the World Championships. I keep almost saying World Cup because the FIBA World Cup's going on at the moment, and I feel like it would be much easier if we aligned our lingo. But... Um, yeah, there was that weird bronze medal draw at the last Europeans because uh, of COVID, and then Italy knocked Germany out, and I was like, oh, damn, maybe this is like a belated, hey, that was our bronze medal, and now it's tied again, seemingly. So we need like a Germany-Italy grudge match of some kind. A uh, seven-game series. Um, <laughs> also, how much did Italy let Germany off the hook by just having Papi on the bench for most of the fourth quarter when... No, well, that, that was the game where he shot a hundred percent for like thirty-four minutes, wasn't it? I think. Yes, um, I, I was convinced. He, I said to you, I was convinced he didn't want to come out because he didn't want to let his um, he like didn't want his stats to drop, and he's like, "Hey, coach, I think these guys have got this, and I'd really love to be shooting a hundred percent in a win here." Oh, that was far from the truth. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It was the fact that, like, I don't know. I think taking him out is dumb. Um. In general, but if you take him out because you're like, all right, I think we can press these guys for a minute. One, you'd be wrong, and two, that's not what they did. Like they took him out, and then they just had people who weren't happy shooting from the elbow and missing. So it's like, I don't know if you're gonna if you're gonna play the same way, and then just plug and play someone who isn't as sort of equipped for the job that you're asking them to do. Like there are guys in that team that are better at different things than Papi for sure but like he was 11 from 13 at that point he was 100% um, he was 100% from 2 he just missed 2 threes near the end um, yeah, 7 boards like come on man I don't know I was just once again it sounds like I'm being like put the, put my teammate in but it's like you're there thereabouts and then you sit him and the game slips away because you're asking people who aren't Papi to score from the elbow it's like I know it's Italy you kind of assume that anyone who is sitting above the height of a one-pointer can shoot 80% from the elbow. But, like, I just, I don't get that at all. Every quarterfinal, I've spoken to you about this, I've spoken to a couple of people about this, our quarterfinal on the men's side of the game was the least weird one, and it was 45-40 at halftime. Um, Every other quarterfinal had something stupid happen or something weird, um, and I would like to go through them. So there was the, the, the pappy benching in that game, um, there was the Netherlands, France, um, weird no call at the end of the game on a potential unsportsmanlike and one in a game that was very tight. 
Um, I don't know. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because I have actually got some clarity via speaking to some refs and some people and whatever, but I don't so, know you about it at this point as well. Yeah. So for people, who, so for people who don't know, um, France clawed it all the way back. They ran, I think they were out of timeouts the last time the ball went into their possession and they just ran a haphazard press break where they kind of threw the ball into front court, Sophie, and pushed like a madman. They kind of threw him a sloppy pass that he recovered and he just tanked at Frank de Jong. Um, went looking it's not for... a guy that I want to be trying not to foul at the end of a game, by the way. Like, there's a handful of guys that are so good at getting you to foul them and he's so far up that list. Well, he, he went looking for a foul, um... Very much did get a foul, so I wasn't on board with it being called an unsportsmanlike because I, I know this is like somewhat unquantifiable, but I think you should really lean to stay away from calling unsportsmanlikes in a scenario where the offensive player is very much looking for contact above all else. Oh yeah, um, like I, I, I don't. Which obviously, if the if you think the guys cut. You can't have the mentality of be like, well, if he wants a foul, he's gonna get a foul because that's where that falls apart. But um, yeah, I think he went looking for it. He got it. He put the shot up, and it's the weird in between space where the foul occurred with time left on the clock. But the call didn't. <gasps> well, no, that I that was what I thought was that they called it late. But I think the argument was, and I'm willing to be told I'm wrong here. Um. It was chair contact, and it would have been a shooting foul, but because it was the act of shooting, he didn't release the shot before the buzzer, so the foul called before the buzzer, ball still in his hand out of the buzzer, can't be a basket and one, which had he made the free throw would have tied it up and gone into overtime, at which point your two options are either two free throws, um, had they been in the bonus, or had you deemed it a shooting foul but not been able to count a shot, so you can't really do that. And the only other thing you can do is give France the ball with no seconds left on the clock. So it's like, basically, it's not surprising that there's not really a go-to solve for that rule because in 15-plus years of watching these games, I've never seen that happen so close to the end of a game. That, that needs to be inspected. So I think apparently the thing is like if either the shot got off or the foul was called pre-buzzer, you would have had something, but like ball was in his hands as the buzzer went. The foul had occurred, but the referee hadn't blown a whistle and put his hand up. Not through any fault, just in the fact that it takes a human milliseconds to react and put a hand above their head. But it's just like this person, like Sofiane, shot the ball and got fouled as the buzzer was going off and they were in a three-point game and he made the shot. And I'm just like, it's the, the rules applied correctly and the Netherlands progressed as they should have. But all of me is like, ah, let him shoot a free throw for overtime. Like, yeah, I feel like you should, um, you should go to the line with no seconds left in that scenario because you get fouled while being about to shoot before time is out. And you um, may. What, one thing I've not heard anybody try and argue is if you're Frank De Jong, just don't foul the guy. Like, the most he can get not being fouled inside the three-point line is two points. So just... I'm on I'm on the sideline. Like, I'm... Yeah, yeah. I'm... I have my hands above my head 
15 seconds ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that's really hard to do because like obviously if you shoot to three, you look stupid if you're just in the chart circle. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting on the three-point line still, um, but obviously we're talking about this. We've taken five minutes to talk about this <laughs> a month after it happened. So yeah. I, one, wouldn't have been on the floor and two, might have done something stupid. Yeah, um, I talk about this all the time with people who like mistakes that happen at the end of games where it's like I might have just like thrown up instead. Like I, <laughs> I don't know. I tell I tell you, man. All all joking aside, um, obviously the result was what it was. The IWBF should be supremely thankful that France happened to be the victims of such a weird anomaly because they've obviously um, qualified for the Paralympics already. Nope. They have no. I thought they had. No, they get a spot in the representative. Oh, do, do they get that? Yeah, I believe so. Um, I don't know. Once again, I think so. But like, this is as close to trying to understand what the IWBF are doing as I've ever gotten. But like, I. Um. So but yeah, even, they definitely don't get an automatic one, which I think is maybe wild. But um. But yeah, even also that, yeah. how convinced in the first half of this game were you that Nico Joancer was going to just have 40 and win the game I've, he's honestly I, it sounds like I'm trying to be like podcast bro who watches all the games here which I, I try not to sound like but he might legit be my favourite person to watch in like any level of basketball anywhere <laughs> it's just he's, he's, he's so great he's so smooth I, I don't know what it is, but I, I feel like I feel like I'm developing a type late on in life where it's like the last two tournaments, it's been him and uh Sayari from Iran where I'm like, hey, just get me a mismatch shooter who doesn't give a damn. <laughs> That's all I need to be happy. Um so smooth. We were trying to think, um, me and the teammate at one point watching this game were trying to pick a like a smooth all-star five. Right. <laughs> um, um We'll leave that to the listeners if you have suggestions of like a give give us to like 14 points, probably 14 and a half if you want to push it. Um, first team all smooth. Um, because Schwanzer is absolutely in it and well, I will take no further questions. Well, we've only talked about the the end of the game, but the real story is the Netherlands bust out early doors and looked like they were gonna take it away. And France came in on a Nico Joancer-fueled comeback in the second quarter that it was one of those ones where it's then close again at, ha- at halftime, but because it's close again, if you're the Netherlands, you suddenly feel like you're down by 12 points because this avalanche hit you. And it was like, I think he hit a couple of tough ones. Um, he hit like a baseline tilting over Robin Pongenvich, maybe. Um and the Netherlands called a time. I think asked for a timeout at that point. Didn't get it immediately. And by the time there's a dead ball for the um, Netherlands timeout, it was France's ball again. And they like obviously talked about what they needed to do differently. France immediately off their sideline inbound just sat Joan Serra at the free throw line. He caught the ball, had three people on him, got fouled at least twice, and rattled in a free throw line fadeaway. <laughs> it was like it's a weird thing where some. For some reason, I don't know if you can, if you have a take on this, but making a shot where you get fouled and it doesn't get called and you manage to make the shot anyway somehow feels way more disheartening than an and one. Like 
you can't even stop me by fouling me and like they're not even gonna bail you out and I'm just gonna score anyway is somehow even worse than giving up an extra point. Yeah, that makes sense. Um yeah, I don't I don't like in a game that you lose by one possession, I don't think not giving up a I I, I don't think not giving up a free throw is bad. Right. <laughs> I mean in the game that you win by um possession. Can I just say also you lose a game by three and Juan Sayer, who is 29 points on 67% shooting has a one minute 50 spell where he doesn't play and it wasn't for foil trouble. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm forgetting something and he was like bleeding or he asked to come out or whatever, but come you, on, man. Do you like, fall into not- this trap when these games are going on where I always think it with like one team, like Italy were my pet project this, t- this tournament and I'm always like, man, I... Like, I legit think I'm seeing something the coach isn't seeing, and I think I could help these guys. And then by the end of the tournament, I realized that I have convinced myself I could coach all 12 teams to a better standing than they ended up with. And it's like, okay, I probably need to rein it in here. I think it's confirmation bias in that you never think that when someone's coaching properly. Um, <laughs> but no, I kind of had this. Like, I spent the whole time looking at. Um, looking at France and going, hey, why don't you just get Juan Serre, Alexi Ramonet, Kyle, a one and a mid on probably probably your best bet at winning a basketball game. And they hadn't. And then they rolled that out against us in the groups. And I was like, ah, why didn't you figure this out tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, they are, yeah. I love that lineup for them. Especially I... Kyle is also a first team all smooth yeah, um, it's a, lot, a disproportionate number of French guys. Um, it's two. <laughs> yeah, if you're if we're only picking five, then two two of them being French is disproportionate by definition. I mean, yeah, that's true. But um, well, cool. yeah, that, they'd think that was, that, that was that quarterfinal. The um, Spain Turkey one was close all the way up to the end, and then Turkey got a wild technical foul when. This is my favorite. I, I, sorry, I need to, I need to clear out some space to talk about this because I spoke to Rose Hollerman about this yesterday or the day before, and I was like, "This is the best thing that happened all tournament." <laughs> uh, was it a three point game at that point? Yeah, uh, three point game. Um, Spain are up against Turkey. Uh, Pablo Zarzuela is inbounding the ball, and in his bullet swipes at it, gets it, gets called for a technical, which is also his fifth foul. Spain go down the other end, bring it to four, have the ball back, and Bullet, who I think had 20 at the time, is just sitting on the sideline now. And it's like, man, what did you... What? This isn't like a, hey, you win some, you lose some. This is a, there is no possible benefit to what you just did. And I love it so much. Like, I don't, obviously a bad idea, but I Your just... coach doesn't say the same. Yeah, like, he had... 14 at the point at that point sorry but it's like you were you were in that game and then you just weren't all of a sudden like you bring it to four and also you have to change everything i I love it but it's so it's so stupid but it was so funny yeah absolutely bizarre um i thought yeah that was i mean spain that kind of hadn't proved themselves really up to that point in the tournament um and I think even even though they were the three seed from the one group and Turkey were the two seed on the other side, I think anyone would have called Spain as the favourites for that game. Oh, for sure. um, we did the Instagram poll 
for that game in Spain were like like eighty eight percent of people coming back to in Spain essentially. So I think that tells you what you need to know. And I thought the experience really showed through there, not specifically in Turkey's inexperience, like in the play you just outlined. But um, yeah, I thought Spain very much looked like the team that had been through the odd quarterfinal at that point. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's weird when I forgot that Pablo Zarzuela top scored this game. Like, I forgot he was... Oh, yeah. Like, he also... He, he, he had the sort of... He's he spent enough time with Bayezu that day that he's just not missing from the free throw line now. I'm obviously joking. Pablo Zarzuela is a million times Champions Cup winner and Paralympic silver medalist and European silver medalist and this, that, and the other. I'm obviously joking, but... Yeah, yeah, but he's re- he's reinvented himself a little bit. I think he's yeah. um, he's diversified what he brings, and that's kind of what they needed because they're really in most of their lineups now. They've got like four non-shooters, um, and he could even being able to toggle that down to having like two shooters out there instead of one is massively beneficial. But he also had one of the highlights of the tournament where he went coast to coast and like falling out of the side of his chair threw up a like a hook shot layup with a foul and made it. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um so yeah I'm saying... looking at like a I don't know if you look at like a Pablo uh Pablo Pablo Zarzuela shot chart. It's there's still a lot of the usual Spain get rolling five on four, everyone goes to the basket and uh therefore whether it be Asier or Bincho, mostly Bincho this tournament just hits a roller like he had maybe eight layups in this game, but there's it's like layups and free throw, like free throw pull-ups. And I'm trying to think like, who does that shot chart look like? That'd be a fun game. We should do that. We should like put like anonymous shot charts out and be like, who is this? That's a good one. Actually. We should do that. Yeah, I have um, no idea. Like layups and then like five free throw line jumpers and maybe one or two baseline pull-ups. It's a, it's a weird one, but yeah, it's cool to see him diversify because he is by a, Bite a foot at this point, the smallest of their big threes. So <laughs> it needs to be like it, someone needs to space apart from their one four, don't they? Yeah, I wonder if they're going to develop Manu into that role because I think he's got by a long way out of their big threes. I think he's got the best shot mechanics for mid range shooting. Yeah, maybe I've seen him. It's the it's the training bias thing, isn't it? Where like I've seen him on a random Wednesday make everything, and I've been like, oh my god. Yeah, what are you doing? It's, what, it's kind of it's what we're seeing in like we're seeing it with the FIBA World Cup at the moment, right? Where there's like fringe NBA guys who are getting asked to play for like Jordan or the Lebanon, and it's like these guys are running offenses and isolating like their mid two thousands Kobe Bryant. <laughs> what is going on? Um, yeah, and it's just like you're not allowed to look at someone who's the superstar in the locker room, but you're able to do all this. Like, what are you? There's le- there's levels to this game is what we yeah. figured out, but yeah, um, um, we... yeah. So all the quarterfinals were completely nuts. Um, shall we shall we shift on? Let's do it. Um, my favorite things happened in those quarterfinals. The rest of it's a load of nonsense. <laughs> yeah, the I guess fun. the the next stage of things was obviously there was like the lower the pre placement games. So Turkey beating France. Um, Italy beating Poland. Poland, by the way, scored over 65 points in every single game of the tournament, but they only gave up under 65 points to like Latvia. <laughs> I 
think um, all their scores are like them with 75, you guys with 94, them with 74, Italy with 89. It's absolute mayhem. Um, so, yeah, that set up that side of things. Um, then it was in the semis, it was GB 63 over Germany at 42. I've tried my best, and I say I've tried my best. I think just inherently, I don't want to be like GB, 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 but that was as close to like perfection defensively as I've seen in a very long time from those guys. I say those guys, like I was just sitting watching it, it was unbelievable. Like, um, I don't have the stats for that game right in front of me, um, but what we were able to hold people to, especially after like the tournament that um, Gunter had and the summer that. Nico Dreimuller and Jan Heller have been having like yeah. absolutely unbelievable stuff. I've got the stats here. Look at that for scrolling. Look at that for scrolling. But like their top scorers were Haluski with 11 and Tommy with 10 on probably not great numbers, I would imagine. But that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Was... To, that to two absolute killers. I think Haluski five from 12, not obviously not inefficient. Tommy three from 12 that yeah. makes a big difference but yeah I think um Germany have just have looked like they've I I joked with um you and Mendel ahead of the quarterfinal game where I was like the Germany Italy quarterfinal is the loser has to change it up from their coach bowl um just because they've had both those teams have had their coach in place for a long time and Germany look they get the odd win every now and then. Uh, they obviously beat you guys in prep. Was it once or twice? I can't remember. Uh, uh, we played them four times, and I think we split them two and two. Um, um, yeah. And they just... I've never seen a team with so much talent and on paper fit as they seem to have. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't really get it. unable to ever take the reins of the momentum of the game. It constantly feels like they're at the mercy of the other team flipping the momentum on them, and I don't know why. Um, The best explanation I can come up with is I think there is a lot of Tommy trying to balance um, playing point guard and shooting guard at the same time, which I think if you look at like the Landil teams he's been on, he's always been best as the guy next to either Serio or Hiro Kozai, who are like... Mikey, even back in the day, like... Um, and I think they also are really conscious of Haluski can always get a mismatch spot up away, and they try not to go to it on the first phase of the offense, if they can help it. Um, try not to settle for a good shot when they can potentially get a better one, and I think the end outcome of that is Haluski, a lot of his shots come very late in the shot clock, um, and when he's making threes and stuff off like a final flare out and one more movement and they swing the ball to him and he knocks it down and it's like oh, okay that's the end of the world for everybody else but that it's a high risk high reward act they're asking him to pull off and yeah it just feels like they've obviously got some youth coming in Gunther's coming through um, the kid Julian Lammering um, your guy Lucas not sure yeah, what Alex put a minutes in this tournament. They figured out if they go either four five four five two two one or four five three five three two one that they're gonna have some luck. I think actually the two four five lineup ended up being 
probably their best lineup statistically, I would say, well, if you take my blowouts. I think Buddha came in and flipped the Italy game for them after having yeah. barely played all tournament, which is a bit weird. Um, yeah, I think they they look a little bit out of ideas to me, um, which is not to take anything away from your guys' very comprehensive win over them. But yeah, it's one way or another, man. I think it's time for a shake-up with that group. And that's going to have gonna the talent with. and you can't really like there aren't other people who are also German who aren't playing for the national team that are better than these guys. Like these are all good players in their clubs. Obviously there's guys who've had tough seasons and whatever and tough games, but I don't, I don't know anything about their coaching, but like, it's no, it's, it's if, not. If, an induction, if it's but... like, how are they not putting it together? You kind of go, well, who's trying to put it together and it's not working, but exactly. it's, um, they have the talent, like every tournament we go into, I'm like, yeah, they could win. Like they could have won a medal at worlds and they probably could have, won euros but or come second at euros i don't think anyone was touching us once we got going but like that's it's weird i don't really get it i wonder if they're kind of in their own heads about successive amounts of not quite getting it done at tournaments like i wonder if they come into euros after bombing out at worlds and they're like oh god here we go but i've known this is the first and not the last time that i'm going to be like can we talk about phil pratt um, 11 from 13, 26 points. Um, I don't even, God knows, eight assists. Yep, eight assists, seven rebounds. Like, what are we, what are we doing? Yeah. What? Are we, what? <laughs> I was actually, <laughs> also just did this whole tournament. Like, we haven't brought up his stats once yet, but we will for the final. But, like, oh my God, sir. I was actually late to joining this game, uh, for reasons I can't remember, but I think I joined on here where it was like 23-16 to GB at that point, and Ben was running, Ben was like hitting low and then like coming back up to set like an off-center high pick for Phil. And he was like rolling into the shot above the three-point line. And Germany would jumping that and gave Ben like three straight layups as he just like faked the screen and turned and rolled in and I was like okay this is I like the Ger- are Germany aware they're just giving layups up here as a result of this because this seems like a, a odd defensive game plan to be so committed to and then it wasn't until I pulled the stats for half time that I think Phil was like I can't remember if he was two of three or three of four threes from the game but he didn't make one in the time I watched so he'd obviously made yeah, two sorry early doors and then just spook them for the rest of the game and they would rather give layups <laughs> yeah we're joking about it but like Phil's one of those guys that he hits a couple and you have to jump him and then you're like oh cool he just has whatever he wants at yeah. the tip of his fingers at this point um this oh, we've got to talk about the final obviously but like this tournament from Phil was completely ridiculous like just start to finish just control from pretty much start of the groups all the way through to the final and the end of the final and like also just after finishing worlds the way we did like obviously like that's that's tough for any team to go through and any player to go through and being able to come back and just completely run a euros a month and a half later is completely nuts but like the precision of all of it is what blew me away like just shooting 90 percent in international games against good teams as Someone that people wouldn't even say shootings is his main thing. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? Like, what are we, what, what are you doing? 
No, that's it. Phil, who's made a couple of shots, goes on like that Mount Rushmore with like Hoodie Mellow and Jersey Untucked Kyrie. Nah, like, they're like fake weird things. This is like legit all time. Like, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought that GB Germany game was um as comprehensive as GB had proved up to that point for sure. And the and we got to the final. Yeah, we'll do that. We touched on the Spain Netherlands semi final. Um, but yeah, this was close for a lot of it, and Spain just managed to break the Netherlands with. A handful of minutes left to go and it turned what had been like a seven point game for a lot of it into a 19 point Spain win in a matter of minutes and it was kind of like hey where was this literally all tournament but if you need it to come out of somewhere the last few minutes of the semi-finals not a bad place for think the ball to finally get fully rolling oh yeah for sure so shout out to Spain for for figuring it out and yeah Netherlands, I felt like had scooched by on just enough offense for the entire tournament up to this point, and it kind of ran out in those crucial moments. But that sounds like it's almost too fluky to happen. If you're like, well, if how have they got through a whole tournament just to the last minutes of the semi final, and then their offense fails them, and it's like, yeah, you'd be surprised how much a less than convincing offensive game plan can get you by until the absolute crucial moments even if you want to try and convince yourself that it's just the same as any other possession. Promise you it's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the defense cares a bit more. I don't know. Like, it's... They they, they nearly got all the way to a final without yeah, yeah. running out of steam, which is mad impressive because we've kind of spoken about, like, I don't know, where do they get their stuff from apart from Mendel having 20-something and going to the line 12 times a game. And um, I think... Beller's kind of run out of steam, as I say. Might have been four from thirteen in that game or whatever, which is tough. But um, also, that's not a coincidence. Sometimes with a team like Spain, I know we spoke about the fact that he exposed their lack of height, uh, yeah. the lack lack of true giants, apart from Alejandro um, in the first game. But he kind of ran out of steam there. But they were running seven guys as well, which is tough. Um, Random Netherlands, but I feel like Quinton was unbelievable as the tournament goes on. Like, I feel like he was really, really good. And to see they kind of ran a lot of their two fours, two ones, and a three. I know a lot of the time it was Robin through Worlds and obviously through this tournament as well. But Quinton coming in and being the guy that could pull them out of a hole, like he kind of he had, hit a couple of big ones against France in that game, um, did the same thing in their two sort of semi-final and then bronze medal game but it's cool to see yeah no definitely i i think robin has um matured a lot as a player that i think is very much bumping up again like he's in his 30s now so i don't think it'd be controversial to be like i think robin is who he is at this point and i think quentin still has a a good trajectory ahead of him uh which the netherlands are going to need because yeah, they're not massively flush with like lineup options at the very least. Um, but I think between uh Quinton and the their one five uh Anil Chael, I think is how you say it, Sayil, something like that. Um, hey, does the Turkish um on Duolingo not help you? I don't know. I've not done it for ages. I it was one of those things I piled into being like, yeah, I'm going to be good at this. Um. And then it, you throw it out immediately when you realize it's difficult. That is the Duolingo, yeah. that is the Duolingo way. 
exactly that um but yeah thanks for bringing that up um anything for you as you would say um but yeah man i thought the netherlands at least have a little bit of seeing those guys have good tournaments has given them some um some more overhead i think in terms of like their upward trajectory and yeah they were able to just put enough around mendel on a few occasions but they're scoring like high 50s relentlessly and that has to go upwards um well they'll run out at some point um but it well it didn't like it's gotten them to two bronze medal games and two tournaments so but if they're going to go any higher like you gotta have you gotta be able to win games in the 70s as well as the 50s, I guess. Like, which is right. what I one of the things was so impressive about us. Like we just absolutely crushed Germany defensively, and then we go into the Spain game and score 74. Like that was before, before we touch on the final. Do you want to talk about either of the placement games of Switzerland, Latvia, or Israel, Austria? I don't. Um do you? <laughs> I hope I you we, we've been going for like an hour and a half, man. I hope you don't have anything to say about this. I don't. I I think I texted you guys during the tournament. I was like, if these games were happening, I wouldn't cross the street to watch them for free. <laughs> this is. Uh, yeah, it, I think it was. I, I love wheelchair basketball, but if this was in my garden, I'd close the blinds. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't think that's true. I think I'd probably go. And, if that was in Northern General and I was in your house, I'd probably go have a look. But. Um, all right. Yeah, we'll, we'll do bronze medal game for a second. Yeah, I actually remember very little of this because I was probably just hyperventilating about a European final that I wasn't going to play in. Um, but I don't. Yeah, I don't remember a whole lot about this. Um, no, I think this was. Um, this was kind of the. This was another nail in the coffin for Germany to some extent, wasn't it? I think um, they just the net. The Netherlands are very, very, very good at what they do. Um, offensive limitations and all taken into consideration. And like I said against Germany, they're just they're able to get rolling. It never really feels like they're able to impose their will. And if you're not really able to impose your game offensively, you're probably gonna have a tough time against the team that strong points are defense and transition offense. Um Weird quirk of Germany that I can't remember if I ever pointed out to you. I feel I sound like I'm piling on them now, but they are they're like the most disorganized transition defensive team ever. And I have no <laughs> idea. That's true. Not ever. Well, no, maybe not compared to like Latvia. But of good quality teams that should be. Yeah. Like, no, okay. Considering their ability, but there's so many times where they just give up something weird in transition. And the Netherlands, I think, are very aware of their offensive. Um, strengths at the very least and they never miss an opportunity to get in transition and yeah and Germany if you you know we talked about their struggle scoring consistently or whatever but you can't be held to 51 and you just no. you just can't um, you have enough scoring enough shooters and scorers on the floor that you're doing something wrong at this point as a coach or as a organization or as a five on the floor if you're not in positions to be successful consistently it sounds like we've bashed them at this point we might get all our previous german guests we've had who be showing up to pick a fight but we'll be fine no but like my point is that they're 
they, they should be great and i don't really understand why also like if i have any opinions on why i'm probably not gonna go too far into sharing them here because i don't think that i don't think me being overly critical helps anyone and i certainly wouldn't try and be helpful but um <laughs> that doesn't benefit me uh but yeah no i don't i they i don't know if they didn't have the talent i wouldn't be so like i wouldn't be banging my banging that they should be better at drum well, stop me if you've heard this one before, but I think I might apply to coach them. I think I could help them out. Ah, yes. How's your German? Not good. Not right. good. They're probably yeah. I think they all do speak it. Most of those guys speak English anyway. Yeah. Have you have you noticed this? I keep yes. I'm, I'm hitting hitting the FIBA World Cup fanboy. I said thing. this. I said this yesterday to Anna. We were watching a game, and I was like, "Why are the Latvian team being coached in English, bro? What is yeah. happening?" It's all of them, it's because their coach isn't from their country and he's just like, yeah, like English is most likely to be the common language here. But like the, you guys all play club somewhere in Europe. That yeah, also- but it, it's yeah. even like the guy coaching what I think like South Sudan, no, Ivory Coast, the guy was, I don't know where their coach was from, but they're all Ivory Coast nationals. They don't have any naturalized players. Like we should also talk about the FIBA naturalized players thing in a future episode because I think it's really interesting. Um, yeah. I think it could help the wheelchair game as well. It probably won't happen, but yeah, their coach, their coach is like not American. I think European of some descent. Um, coaching Ivory Coast to African, and I think either a French or a Portuguese colony historically. And, yeah. Um. And he's coaching them in English. It's like I guarantee this isn't getting the message across in the best way for these guys. Like I, I don't. I'm not saying they're not listening to you, but I'm saying you could be meeting them halfway here. I promise you that. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, you have some good points to make, but like get on your own. But could <laughs> we? It's weird to be like I don't have a whole lot to say about the final, but um, let's let's get to the final. I think yeah. I'm kind of it being. An hour into the an hour and a half into this podcast. Let's do it. Um I thought my main takeaway was it looked like GB were gonna just slow throttle this from end to end. Um Spain got momentum. I think it was in at some point in like the 40s of the game that Spain got it down to about three. Yeah. And, early third. It was yeah. um, the start of the game and the early third quarter. Spain went on. Two runs like Spain were up 2012, I think, at the start, because Pincho was giving us the business. Um, ended up with 21 on probably pretty probably pretty good numbers, but I love them. Yeah, Spain made it Spain got it close on the scoreboard, and right as that was happening, they've obviously got some fairly uh, I don't think it's I'm not bashing anybody here to say um, they've got some pretty um, fiery characters who are willing to get into it. And they almost, at least from the standpoint of watching the game on the TV screen, looked like they were going to do their best to drag GB down into, you know, let's get hot headed and see if we can, you know, rock the boat that, like you say, that GB game over um, Germany was perfectly synergistic and just humming. And moving like clockwork, Spain were at least determined to try and not let that be the case. Um, yeah, and s- see if they could upset GB into a bad performance as opposed to um, kind of necessarily just outmatching them. And but <laughs> I guess to both teams' credit, 
Spain damn near did it at one point and at least had GB wondering if they were going to get into kind of a trash talking battle or something like that. And ultimately, to GB's credit, it went from I think like 43 40 or whatever it was to then being a you know a 30 something to teams run for the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, I think that's the thing, like they kind of tried to muck it up a little bit just because they're big and physical and that's sort of their that's how that was going to work for them and it was kind of we just it's not that I think we just had a couple of things that we needed to clean up when we first saw what they were giving us and it took us a minute to do it but I think the first time we drew even or got ahead sorry it was 25 24 and from there I was like all right cool um but even them being big and physical and trying to muck it up, like Lee ending up with 23 and 17 is nuts. Because um, yeah. I think you kind of see like a full tournament of a team trying to give up anything but Lee, so he maybe doesn't end up with the numbers. But the impact is absolutely undeniable for anyone who's ever seen a basketball game. Um, but you come away from that where Spain... We're just like at one point we got going and when Phil gets going, especially he once again, what was it 16, 8, 9, 3 steals yeah. um, on very efficient numbers. Again, he started off, um, missed a couple. Um, then when he got going, also they're so intent on keeping Greg quiet. Like they'll jump Greg off the ball with a low pointer and just kind of chase him around the perimeter like he's JJ Redick. And yes. um, they have all that stuff going on and that actually just lends itself to like, oh yeah, you like you thought Lee was quiet because he was quiet. No, you thought Lee was quiet because he was doubled for seven games in a row. Like um, <laughs> he ends up with 23 points, just kind of getting wherever he wants. Jim deserves a massive amount of credit for a lot of the sort of man out and just even five on five half court getting Lee under the hoop stuff. Um, Jim's the man. Uh, but yeah, that five was coming eventually there was a very funny moment sort of middle of the th- maybe end of the third sorry where greg takes a shot where he like grabs a board or gets an outlet pass brings it full court and just shoots like a 17 foot bank shot off the dribble absolutely flying and i turned to someone on the bench i think that was for his sixth point and i was like he shot that like he has a hundred already <laughs> like that was it was very um dirk passivan-esque wasn't it yeah, it was like, ah, uh, you guys give me a look. You've done quite well to not let me get a sniff so far, but here we go. But we were all just fired on all cylinders and um, we brought the Simon and Kyle lineup in at one point. Um, Harry came in at the start of the third um, when Kyle came back out, but we had a couple of times, as I say, started the game, started the third, that we looked a little... Just a little out of whack, and it took us a minute. I think is the the word. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And but the fact that we just problem solved our way out of it twice and won a European final by twenty is completely insane. Um, And yeah, I think um, the the only other subplot worth picking at, and you can put this down to it being kind of matchup dependent because of the speed and mobility of GB, but I think Pincho played 27 and a half minutes and I would say Spain drew near enough equal on the score time. Um Asia played 12 minutes in his place and 
that was when both the GB first the comeback run and then the the get ahead run kind of happened. And yeah, mate, like Astia has looked like he's been done on multiple occasions before, and it's never materialized. Um, I don't think you can from this one result be like, yeah, Astia can't get it done anymore. But Pincho is certainly much more built for this matchup at the very least. And I thought Spain shot themselves in the foot a little bit there. Pinchy was in foul trouble, I think. Also, as I said, I think Pinchy was plus one in his. Um, yeah. That's not to say that he's plus whatever if he stays on the floor. I think yeah. whoever was getting in the way of our runs was going to get run over, probably. Yeah. No, that's, that's maybe, fine, but... maybe they have answers. They have different options and whatever, but like Pinchy was giving it to us in the first quarter for a minute, but um, yeah, foul trouble kind of bit them in the foot, like Manu had four as well, which doesn't help them, but yeah, like it's not the first time these guys have been in file trouble, so it's not a complete anomaly. But yeah, what's that, guys from Bilbao in foul trouble? Yeah, uh, like they, they can live on for it's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, all right. Um, right. Should we run through questions quickly? Yeah, a couple of quick ones here. We've got all right. Um, high rollers have said, uh, and I will paraphrase: bad seating for disabled people at a wheelchair event. The cameraman was in the way of like a third of the court. Um, that's a shame. I didn't know that was the case, but that absolutely shouldn't be, obviously. Like, putting a camera up to make sure it looks like a good event from outside on a streaming website that was impossible to navigate is not <laughs> ideal when the in-person experience for an event that's meant to sort of boost and platform people with disabilities. That is that is far from ideal, and I'm sorry that was your experience. But Well, I will say, Jack, thank you for writing in. You do have a court in your back garden, and you didn't offer to host the event, so... You know, know what? Maybe it's only a half court. Oh yeah, okay. And I don't want the arrows to be three on three. Don't give them any ideas. <laughs> All right, next question. Yeah, uh, Ayaka says, "Will people find these videos, which are just uncut, one day at a time, so ten-hour blocks of games? Will they be able to find these links in five to six years?" No. Uh, the answer they is will. like someone will ask us for them. And we'll be like, "Oh yeah, it's right here." Yes, someone will ask us, and we will charge a small fee. Um, also, there'll have been a lot more tournaments by then, and we probably won't be coming back to watch these consistently. Uh, apart from the four or three of the four quarterfinals games, because we'll need to prove that those things actually did happen and that we're not losing our memories. Oh, yeah, I will have time. I'll have time stamped the stupid stuff in a notes page by that point if anyone wants them. But yeah, um, next one abs, uh, gym all star team snub, um, slash the issues with all star teams in the wheelchair game in general. I think the wider issue is like all-star teams for team, like for a team game, like individual awards for a team game or this, that, and the other. Um, but I think you could have probably said there were like, you could have snuck Jim in there, obviously, over two Polish guys getting it when they came eighth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the fact that like Phil pretty, Phil could have like written the schedule and like cooked the lunches and, like driven the buses to the games and stuff. He ran the tournament this much and he didn't get in, which I think is that's as big a miss I've seen in a all-star team in a long time. Like I think like a vote splitting thing for GB because realistically, like GB walked the tournament. Like they beat most people by double figures. They won a final by 21. Like you could have picked six of our guys probably. Like I think to, to be fair with how over points they were willing to go, I don't think them picking six players for an all star five is out of the question. Um, no, but like, no, I, th- I think 
you could have scraped Jim in there. You could have scraped Lee in there. You could have scraped Ben in there. You could have scraped Phil in that you should have, as I scraped, like Phil is a lock. <laughs> like, what are we doing? But I think, unfortunately, some of this comes down to because it's voted for by coaches. And I say this as somebody with two fraudulent former All Star Five selections to my name. Um, I think some of it is coaches wanting to prove how clever they are and how much they appreciate these niche things um, and picking players who aren't necessarily the obvious choice. And I think it's important to remind ourselves that sometimes the obvious choice is the obvious one for a reason and therefore the correct one. Yeah. Um, They never really get them perfectly. And it's not taking away from any guys that do get in. It's just like, I always do this where I'm like, I think this guy should have made it in, but I will not tell you who, like, or how you would have fit them in. But like, yeah, um, no Phil when he just ran the show of a tournament that we kind of blitzed everyone in. Seems odd. Um, Ayaka, what a fall for European teams finish one to four at the Reptage tournament. Could see it, maybe not. There will be one uh, Asian team that will have. Um, something to say about it plus Canada or Argentina I guess um uh that's going to be chaos I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't understand it but it's going to be eight good teams yeah and that like what if one what if they finish one to four Europe's the deepest continent by a, a long 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 way um so it's by no means out of the question and yeah this is like I've never been a fan of the um of the whole separate you know the slots are predetermined it's always been like this many for Europe this many blah 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 this many for Asia that makes up the tournament and it's like well yeah that's fine but you we've inevitably over the last however many years seen way more good European teams sitting at home while you know South Korea are at this tournament because there needs to be an extra Asian team and it's like well there's four European teams better than them so if um well, I said four European teams. There's four additional European teams plus the ones that are at the tournament already. So, um, yeah, like I, whoever gets the qualification spots through the repertoire tournament, then so be it. Then it will, they'll be there because they've earned it. And you can't say fairer than that. Yeah, agreed. All right, that's going to be a bloodbath. I'm excited about it. Um, I think that's us done. Sweet. Let's get right. out of here and we'll be back next time you win a tournament or next time you're no longer sad from losing a tournament. So Oh God, if we're waiting for me to... I don't know what's going to be longer, me winning or me not being sad. Um, I'll, see, I'll see you. You can't medicate me into winning. Ah, there's dope. Wait, Euro, Euro Cup. You guys are on schedule to win Copa del Rey again, as is your annual tradition. But That's if you don't win Euro Cup, you might still be sad about not having won that actually past the point where Copa del Rey turns up so we might get like a, du- a double drop pod at the end of the season well, maybe this is nearly a double drop the length of it but anyway all right thanks very much for listening remember write in your um all-star five smoothest players and yeah take it easy bye Peace.